Welcome to the Hook and Ladder podcast, the final preseason preview podcast. Um, well, uh, I think that's fair. The final preseason preview podcast. Today we're going to talk um, the independents and group of five schools, at least whatever whatever schools that we have any kind of interest G5 in. G5 Justin. In talking at G5 Justin, Notre Dame Colin. Um, I mean, let's be real. That's the real reason why we're talking, why we, we're recording this podcast. <laughs> just so that Colin can can have his Notre Dame soapbox for a little bit. Um, Justin Santu, Colin O'Donnell. Colin, uh, how are you? Long day at work. Have you been seeing? I'm 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 pushing these podcasts out at record speed. I know. I saw the SEC pop this morning. <laughs> People have to think we're recording. They don't realize that our our producer is it's lazy. Is <laughs> lazy. A behind. Yeah, but it's funny because I think the I we've we've gotten it down to a pretty good science. Where like the post production is really like not not strenuous, and it used to be when we would go on these long ass podcasts for like and like we didn't have like structure, you know, like two years ago when we were just starting out, we were like little little freshwater babies in this. Like the post production was miserable, but now it it, it literally takes me thirty minutes to just kind of quickly click through, make sure we didn't say anything like ridiculous, and then <laughs> then post it, and that's it, you know. Yeah. So it's actually, I would say it's a really good thing for the listeners because the picks pods this year are going to come out no matter what the morning after we record them, um, no matter what. That's a promise. That's, that's, that's dangerous. I there don't will know be, to make that promise be, I'm publicly. making the promise now. There will be no Saturday morning, 9 a.m. text like, two, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like you got to post the pod. Won't, won't be happening this year. Um, all right. We're here. We've got a bunch of to- win totals in. Um, today we've got some group of five picks. I'm assuming you've got some stuff you want to talk about with Notre Dame. I do not have a play on Notre Dame, but it is it is your tee box. And as we've done, I think so well this offseason, we've just we've cut the dilly dally and we've just gotten right into it. So um, the floor is yours. I don't know if you want to talk Notre Dame or if there's something else you want to talk about first, but it's yeah, your box, can, my friend. We can just get Notre Dame out of the way real quick here. Um, let me see what the latest win total we've got is eight and a half even. Pretty good number. Yeah. Um, so went nine and four last year, eight and four in the regular season, win over South Carolina in the bowl game. Uh, year two of Marcus Freeman now and brought in Sam Hartman. Right. That's the big Big offseason news. I, I think everything else in the offseason, a couple transfers out, a couple other transfers in, but uh, net pretty positive on the transfer portal when you bring in your starting quarterback who led the ACC in touchdowns. Uh, so, I mean, where where should I go for with this? I was just break down every position real quick or whatever you want however you want to do it it is your floor it's your like it's your studio all right um so running back room should be pretty good estimate back lose yep. Diggs, who's a solid running back but uh, estimate is the clear number one he's and gonna have a huge year was the clear number one and the depth behind him is is really good it's uh unproven but a lot of a lot of highly touted guys, a lot of uh, good running backs. Chris Tyree moves out of the running back position into the slot. Is going to be a receiver this year. I think that's a pretty good move, right? He's electric, really fast. Uh, his one issue is that he kind of went down easy, and that's a problem when you're running back. Less of a problem when you're a wide receiver. You get into space, and he can outrun a lot of people. Uh, Rhett. The rest of the wide receiver room, it's um, it's one of the biggest question marks on the team. Jaden Thomas is back. He had a good year last year with pretty bad um, quarterback play, expecting a very big year out of Jaden Thomas. He's pretty much the one clear thing in the wide receiver room is that everybody agrees Jaden Thomas is going to have a big year. He's going to be the number one target for Hartman, um, and he, he – Looked really good at the end of the season last year, so a lot of hope that he can continue that this year. Outside of that, Tobias Merriweather is going to get the start. Didn't really do a lot last year. There's a lot of hype around Tobias Mer- Merriweather. Uh, I think you kind of have to see it 
before you believe it, but the talk is that he's the highest NFL ceiling of any of the wide receivers on the team. It's just completely unproven. Uh, then you've got uh, a bunch of young guys. To me, this wide receiver room is similar to the cornerback room of last year, where there's not a lot of proven, but the recruiting has stepped up. Uh, you, you, a lot of the freshmen you you hear in camp, you think they're going to step up. Uh, I really like the wide receiver coach. I think most people really like the wide receiver coach. Came from Baylor a uh, year two now I believe and uh, it, it, to me the wide receiver room is going to take a step just because Sam Hartman is now your quarterback but also there's there's talent now uh, it, it's definitely still unproven though so that's that's a question mark tight end room losing Michael Mayer that's a big loss he's one of the best tight ends to ever come through in our name but you feel pretty solid that behind him it won't be too big of a drop off Mitchell Evans you've got Holden stays there, there's guys there's guys there it's not going to be Michael Mayer but there's NFL guys the, the Notre Dame always has NFL guys on the in the tight end room that's not really a big concern for me offensive line you lose Patterson but you bring back Blake Fisher Joe Alt possibly the best combination of right and left tackle in the country uh Center Zeke Corral is back. He's been pretty good. Nothing incredibly special. And then the only the the only real question marks on the offensive line of at the guard positions. You got Shrouth, who is actually not going to start. It's going to be Coogan. And then it is going to be Rocco Spindler, a very high recruit at the other guard position. So a lot of lot of talent. A lot of upside. I think offensive line should be at worst good, at best great. It's gonna. It may take a little bit to get the running game fully going with two new guards, but uh, we'll have to see. Also, a new offensive line coach, Harry Heastan, retired. Joe Rudolph from Virginia Tech and formerly Wisconsin comes in. Defensive line, I think, is a. Wait, wait. Is, I have some questions on offense before you get to the defense. Yeah, go. That's okay. Okay. So number one, I think Audrey Gastemay is going to be fantastic. That's not a question. I legitimately think he's going to be like, people aren't talking enough about him. Would yeah, you agree yeah. with that? I'm, I'm incredibly high on Audrey Gastemay. He's a, he's a, he's a monster. They call him the mini, mini, ba- mini bus. Like yeah. He, he's, he's like huge. Jerome Bettis again. Uh, he looks he, like he, a rhino. Yeah. He, he's an almost impossible tackle. I think he averaged, what was it? 5.9 per rush last year. And he, the offensive line was not great in the beginning of the year. It didn't really pick it up until about the midway point when um, Jarrett Patterson got back to full health, which I guess you could say that's the question mark here is last year when without Patterson, they struggled against Ohio State and Marshall in the first two games. I mean, he came back for Marshall, but it wasn't fully healthy and the offensive line wasn't as great. Uh, but estimate really good, really tough between the tackle runner and, uh, explosiveness is not at the top backs in the country, but he, he, he reminds me of like an old Michigan state back, which is where he was originally committed. Uh, which kind of makes sense. Do you have any worries about Sam Hartman going from a super quarterback friendly offense at Wake Forest with the slow mesh to now going to Notre Dame where, you know, I know you're high on the receiver room, but like you said it, there's, there aren't very many proven guys there. Like, is that not, is that not of any concern to you? To me, it's not really a concern. Like I, I, I understand upside. That's a concern, right? If if this team is going to win the national championship, Sam Hartman, going from the slow mesh, um, to to this new offense. Um, I mean, it's going to be pretty similar, right? Because Tommy Reese is gone. Gerald Parker promoted within. He was the offensive coordinator at West Virginia prior to this. Um, wasn't really great, but they didn't really have a quarterback. So that's um, – it, it's hard to judge that. And if you look at Hartman's stats, right, he was best on his dropbacks when they didn't run the slow mesh. So he was most efficient at Wake Forest on third downs when they were dropping the ball back, 
and did not have that read option handoff, um, which is uh, which is like what they normally run. But it, I think it's about like 50-50 if you look at total stats. I don't have it in front of me, but at 50% in the slow mesh and 50% in a, in a normal dropback. If you also look, he was, I believe, I, I'm ripping this off of another podcast, Bet the Board, but uh, Payne mentioned this, that he was – the number one quarterback um, when not pressure. Hmm. So when he was in a clean pocket, he was the number one quarterback in passing efficiency, in completion rate, all of that, which is really big because when you have an amazing right tackle and amazing left tackle, he's probably not going to be pressured much. And I mean, if you look at Wake Forest, the biggest reason they have to do the slow match and the biggest reason Yep. Why that offense is a little gimmicky is because that offensive line is just they don't they're not big enough to compete at at the higher level of the power five. So I think that's I, I feel pretty good about that. And then when you watch the spring game, he absolutely lit it up, scored touched three touchdowns on all three drives, uh great completion percentage, threw the ball deep. You you think this offense is going I, I think this offense is gonna really go under Hartman and when you look at how they performed previously, the quarterbacks were just not good. Drew Pine was in my opinion abjectly terrible. And when you look at Tyler Buckner, he was very inconsistent. I mean two pick sixes in the bowl game. He's electric with his legs, but he was not an accurate passer. So having Hartman with a pack, having some sort of deep passing game is going to be massive. And I think the running game is going to help him a lot too, because he's not going to, he never had a running game like this at Wake Forest. Uh, the, the, what really sold me on him. I mean, I guess that's, it's a little strange to say this, but he looked great in the spring game and, Notre Dame quarterbacks in the spring game have not looked great recently. It's been it's been a fucking shit show every spring game, throwing it in the dirt, every, everything just brutal. So I feel I feel very good about the quarterback position. The, I this is the best since at least Kaiser, maybe Clawson. Wow, I mean Ian Book had a pretty pretty good career at Notre Dame. Ian Book, yes, but Ian Book is Ian, Ian Book's a jack. He's, he's, he's good with his legs. He was fine in the pocket, but he's short. I mean, and, and he couldn't throw the ball downfield. Notre Dame never pushed the ball downfield with him. It was all little short crafts, crossers. He was pretty efficient in throwing that much more. Ian Book's like a better Drew Pine. That, that's that's, that's kind of how, how I put it. Sam Hartman's something completely different. He throws the ball downfield more than any other quarterback in the country. Yeah, and that that's going to change the look of this offense a lot because I mean, if you look at Stanford last year, they just they lost that game because they had eight guys in the box and man pressed the wide receivers. They couldn't run the ball and they couldn't throw it. And then when they finally figured out they could run the ball on them, it was too late and they had a fumble and lost the game. Yeah, I would I would um I think that's the that's the thing with Sam Hartman. I think the clean pocket. You said it earlier. I mean, he's never had an offensive line like this. And if he's going to have time, the other thing is like Sam Hartman, he's pretty mobile too. Like you can, like the way Ian book was mobile and the way Jack Cohn and Tyler Buckner were also mobile. Like Sam Hartman oh, is. Don't say, do, do not say Jack Cohn. Jack Cohn was an absolute statue. That's no, that he was, he, he could move. At Notre Dame, move. At Wisconsin, he could right. move. After the injury at Notre Dame, he was the most immobile quarterback I've seen watching Notre Dame. Okay. Ian fine. book was mobile. Tyler Buckner was very mobile. Hartman, I don't know about that, but, but I, I Cohen, think Cohen was a statue. That, okay. I appreciate the, the correction. Um, I think Hartman's going to be, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be good. I don't know if he's going to be great. What do you think his ceiling is before we get to the defense? What do you think his ceiling? Like, do you think his ceiling is like the Heisman? Like, do you think that's legit on the table? I, th- I think so. I think there's a reason it's been steamed lower. Okay. Uh, I, I think, I think he could win the Heisman. I think he came here because a lot of people don't believe in the slow mesh, but if you look at some of the advanced analytics, he looks pretty solid in it. Um, 
I mean, if, if Notre Dame, which is very uh, also like part of the reason why he could win the Heisman is because Notre Dame's going to have a pretty good team. So that, that like if he puts up Wake Forest numbers on this Notre Dame team, yeah, they're going to lose maximum one game, and yeah. he's going to be in Heisman contention. Yeah, so that, no, you're that, right. That's the thing. I I do think Gerald Parker is a bit of a question mark at offensive coordinator is, is one thing like to hesitate a little bit on the offense. Uh, I like Tommy Reese a lot. I think there's a reason he got that job at Alabama. It, the one knock on him was he just didn't have good QBs. And I mean, that's partially on the offensive coordinator, like you have to bring in good quarterbacks, but Sam Hartman's a really good quarterback. I, I do think though, if you're going to question Parker, it's going to be less this year, more next year just because Sam Hartman has been around forever and can kind of run an offense by himself. I think that like that at least lessens my worries. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, Makes sense. Experienced quarterback, not experienced offensive coordinator, at least in Notre Dame. And it might make his job a little easier because Hartman is an adult in the room. It's like an extension on the field. It makes sense. Um, Defensively, Foskey's gone. He was the guy. He's a guy on the defensive line, but I don't know. I, I, I do you have high expectations of the defense? They were okay last year. Like, I didn't think they were as good as as. No, I think no, they, no. So, they I, so in my in my opinion, I think the defense has regressed um, since Clark Lee left. So Freeman's first year, I didn't think the defense was that great. Last year, I thought the passing defense was really good, but against the run, they were still a little bit suspect. Uh, I think they. Did they hold Ohio State to their lowest total last year? I think they did. 21, right? Uh, I think that's correct. Except for the yeah. Northwestern game where Ohio State basically played in like 50-mile-an-hour wins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So I think year two, right, because they, they've now gone back-to-back years with new defensive coordinators, and this is now year three in Freeman's system, and he has the guys that he wants to kind of run defensively i think you could expect the defense to take a step up um you lose foskey which is big i think defensive lines was a pretty big question mark coming into you got to take this with a grain of salt because it's all fall camp reporting Mm -hmm. but every that that's wide receivers you hear from the uh irish illustrated guys from the irish sports daily guys like all the insiders that are at practice wide receivers they say there's talent uh, it's still unproven that they don't like steady in fall camp. It's still a question mark. We'll see how they perform in the regular season. Defensive line though was the other question mark and they've been raving about the defensive line this entire fall camp period, pretty much. Uh, Jordan Bethello has shown a ton of promise when he's started at the end. I think he had two or three sacks in the bowl game against South Carolina, and he gets a ton of hurries whenever he gets question, uh, whenever he gets start. So there's a lot of hype that he's going to step up and be the next great pass rush, rusher for Notre Dame, a Fosky wow. type. Bring in Javante Jean Baptiste from Ohio State. Yeah. He's he's a good pass rusher, a little bit question mark against the run, and then defensive tackle. You have Riley Mills, who's everybody's been projecting to take a step for the past two years. He never really fully took that step, but so now it's his contract year. He's a big guy. He's got all the tools to be an NFL guy. You've got to see it. And then Howard Cross, who's a little undersized, but it's just, he's a dog. I mean, he's a son of a former, I think played on the Giants. Uh, I don't know. Defensive tackle. And he's uh I, I love Howard Crest. He he makes the right plays. He's good. And then the real reason why they're high on the uh, defensive line is the backups to them came in as question marks. They're pretty high on Onye. They're pretty high on um, Vernon. They're pretty high on um, Tyson Ford. There's uh, Aiden Gobera. They're, they're, they're high on these guys that are behind them at defensive tackle. So they think the defensive tackle – is going to be better. And that's like the one question mark to me on the defense is if they face a team like Georgia or a team like Michigan, 
that just has a dominant offensive line, it's are they big enough to really hold against a run, like a like a power rush? Can they can they match up? And that's that's been the problem in the Freeman era. Pretty much since he took over the Florida State overtime game, the uh, Marshall game last year, Ohio State, even at the end of the game, when they leaned on the run, that was the issue. Is the is the they kind of struggled to stop that, which was just something you haven't seen at Notre Dame in a in a while. Uh, and there's hope now, right, that these defensive tackles, Onye, they, these guys are going to step up, and now that's going to really help plug that up. But even if they do step up and Notre Dame ends up having a great year, there's not really anybody on this schedule outside of Pitt, I would say, that could really bully them. But if they make it to the playoffs, I think that's a question mark. If you If they face Michigan, if they face Alabama, if they face Georgia, those are teams with offensive lines that may be able to bully Notre Dame at the point of attack. Um, Interesting. Linebackers. Is got, it the best linebacker room in the country? It's up there. No, you don't think? No, no, no. no. Okay. Um, You've got everybody back. You've got Maris back. You've got Bertrand back. You've got Kaiser back. All those guys are, are really solid. Maris kind of had a bad year last year, so it's – but he had a – he flashed a ton in the years prior. Yeah, so I remember he, you being really high on him. Yes, yeah, but he disappointed last year. Um, I didn't realize that. So you you got it. He's got all the talent and he's flashed so much. It's on the coaches really to get him in the right position to make plays. And then behind that, you, you've got like talent. Uh, Jalen Snead is going to get on the field a decent amount and he's just a He's a better athlete than everybody else on in the linebacking core for Notre Dame. I, I believe he was a five-star uh, from South Carolina. May, might have dropped to like a high four-star at the end of the recruiting cycle. But one of those guys that really has that speed and talent, but he doesn't have it all together yet. So he's going to be in packages, which can help the linebacking core because that's the one thing, right? If, if you look at this, it should be really solid. Kaiser – and Bertrand are both really solid guys. The Notre Dame type linebackers make the right plays, make the right reads, decent in coverage, but they're not going to they're not going to stick with the Devonta Smith coming across the middle or anything like that. They don't okay. have that. They don't have that Owusu Koromoa. Sneed can be the Owusu Koromoa, but you have to see that. So I, I think like I rank them as one of the top linebacking, but more in a Wisconsin type of linebacking core than a Clemson type of linebacking core. If you, okay. if you follow that. Yeah. Interesting. It makes sense. Um, secondary. This is, this is where it's crazy because this is the best secondary I've ever seen watching Notre Dame. Uh, I think it's probably top five in the country, if not the best in the country. I, I, I struggle to see a better secondary. I mean, you've got year two now of Benjamin Morrison was a freshman All-American, really good last year. You got to hope he takes another step. Cam Hart back again, fully healthy for the first time. He had a concussion in camp, but that's not a, like that's not an actual that, – that won't affect your ability. That's just you got to take a little break from playing football. It's not like your shoulder's injured, which was the issue with him last year. Yeah. Um, and then you, you look at the depth start. Jaden Mickey, uh, year three for him, he's been really good. They another freshman, um, blanking Eric Gray, I think, is coming in, and they're really high at him. Like if you look at the cornerback room, Clarence Lewis, who started in the playoffs in 2020, is now the fifth string at cornerback, which is just shows how big of a jump they made in in the cornerback room. I I I think if you're not going to say full secondary, I think the cornerback room is the best in the country and. It, it tracks because that's what – what was Freeman known for at yeah. Cincinnati is he brought in Sauce Gardner. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, that's what that's what really made that defense click, and that's what could really make this defense click, in my opinion, is those cornerbacks can just be absolutely locked down. And they've got multiple guys. Injuries shouldn't be – like, yes, losing Cam Hart and Ben Morrison, either of those guys is a big concern. 
but they've got guys behind them too, which is what makes it really good. Uh, safety, a little bit of question mark, right? Xavier Watts is really good, but besides that, it's a bunch of guys similar to the linebacker room, right? DJ Brown, um, they're they're good, but they're not championship dynamic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So they they brought in um, Antonio Carter from Rhode Island, pretty okay. high on him, and he's a guy that if he steps up and and wins that job halfway through the year or something to that note, then this the safety room can be really good because I think he's got the traits. He's just kind of got to learn the defense and adjust and that, to play and that on speed. A level. Yeah. 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 Um, so like that that's what I look at it defensively. And Benjamin Morrison has to be one of the top cornerbacks in the country, right? Yeah, yeah. He's him only a sophomore, is that right? Like he's, he's only a sophomore. Him and Cam Hart are top cornerbacks in the country. And then um when you look at special teams, right? They lost, had a great year last year. Uh lost Brian Mason to the NFL, blocked like seven punts. Uh, they bring in all misses. Special teams, and I, I think the special teams is going to still be really good because it seems that's the thing that Freeman emphasizes. He, he's one of those guys that says there's three, there's three levels of the team: mm-hmm. offense, defense, special teams. Not, not a, um, not like Blue Mountain State. <laughs> yeah, not, 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 not like Nebraska, um, <laughs> where they where they don't have a special teams coordinator. You know, he, he he really emphasizes that they they brought in a kicker, Spencer Schrader from USF, apparently got a live leg, can hit it fifty three yards. So yeah. that his numbers his numbers are fine. Just yeah. looking at I'm looking at him right now. And uh, punting, John Sad is gone, one of the best punters in the country. But they brought in a couple guys. I think they should be pretty solid there. Tyree is going to return punts, uh, along with uh, Kavion Lee from okay. uh, Penn State. Okay. Um, or no, not KVM League, Devin Ford, I think, right? I don't know. Yeah, Devin Ford, Devin Ford. KVM okay. League is the um, – he's, he's still – Penn State's running back, starting running back? Second, him and Singleton. Yeah, but, got yeah, it. Um, so, like, look at this team. I, I think it's it's going – I think the offense is the strength, but like secondary is going to be really good. Linebacker core is going to be solid, and the defensive line, provided these camp reports are right and they can get pressure, the the defense has a chance to be really good again. So I'm pretty I'm pretty I'm pretty high. I'm so, pretty high on the team. I'm I'm definitely higher than I was last year at this time. Uh, I I don't know I can't I can't exactly gauge where I was in twenty uh, going into the. 21 season really or the 20 season but uh, i'm pretty high on this and this seems like there's a lot of talent on the team and really just the quarterback position i feel really good about hartman so we like to keep it actionable on the hook and ladder pond you said the win total is eight and a half am i do i have the am i giving you the over eight and a half or do you want me to just not avoid that no i don't want no no because i mean we could we can go to it now break yeah break it down talk through the schedule i think this is the toughest schedule in college football of course you do. All right. Well, I didn't think that in 21. I told you how easy twenty the schedule in 21 was. Open with Navy. Uh, new coach for Navy. It's Navy. It's never an easy game. But yep. that's not that's not like a top team. Then you open go to Tennessee State. First FCS game. Kind of genius scheduling move to have that after the flight back from Navy from Dublin. Genius. Uh, because that's going to be – it's going to be rough. The uh, play, playing – after getting back from that kind of jet lag is, is just kind of brutal. Then you go at NC State. I'm really high on NC State. I think that's a I, – I, I don't think the Notre Dame beat is as aware of how good NC State could be and how difficult it is to play at Carter-Finley because all they keep talking about is how it's nice that they have four games before they play Ohio State this year. I'm like, we have two games until we play NC State, and one of those games is Navy. You know, so I I I I'm I don't agree with that. Central Michigan at home, McElwain. I mean, that should that should be a win. Yep. Then you get Ohio State at home. I'm pretty 
bullish that they're going to get Ohio State this year. I'm not that high on Ohio State. I think at home it's going to be big. I mean, the stadium's probably going to be 60-40, but still um, being at home helps a ton. And new quarterback, new offensive tackles for Ohio State. I think they have question marks. At Duke right after that, that's a sneaky, sneaky kind of game. At Louisville right after that, that's also a sneaky game. People are very high on Louisville. I'm not as high. And you have USC coming to town. USC was the one game, right, where you, if you look at the other beginning games, Ohio State, Marshall, Stanford, Notre Dame wasn't really rolling in any going into any of those games. They were rolling heading into USC, and they still lost that game on the road. I mean, Caleb Williams is really good. I think that offense is going to be really good again. Defensively, they brought in some guys. It's still a question mark if they succeed, but it's good to get that at home. Bye week and then pit. Pitt's a tough team. Glad to get the bye week, and it's a back-to-back away for Pitt. But Jerkovic and Narduzzi hate Notre Dame more than anything else in the world. Then you go at Clemson, which is brutal. I think that's the loss. Uh, I, I think after smacking Clemson around last year, that this is the this is the game where where they're going to drop. Uh, brutal place to play. Then you come home, bye week before getting wake senior night for Hartman against his old team. I think that's a, that's not an easy game, but it's not a top 10 difficulty game in the, in the world. And then at Stanford, uh, kind of rough to get Stanford at the end of the season, but they're, they beat us last year. So a little bit of question mark, but I think they will be focused for that game this year. And especially if they're going with one loss and they've got a playoff berth on the line. I think, um, I don't think Hartman left Wake Forest on bad terms. No. Yeah, like I don't like I don't think that's like the same as like I don't know like Jerkovic. No, not even like I think there well, are like I think Jerkovic left Notre Dame on very bad terms. Well, sure, okay, but my I, I think there are a lot of quarterback transfers that have to play their old teams this year. Where like they left on bad terms. Like I don't think yeah. this one is is like that. Like, I don't think the Wake Forest defensive line is going to be gunning for Hartman's head. You know what I mean? Like, I bet they're still boys. I, I, I agree. I agree. But, um, I mean, Wake Forest is just a solid team. You know? Yeah. That, that, that's more of what I mean. It's not like a – they, they've got a lot of solid teams in ACC. When you, when you look at their schedule, NC State's pretty solid. Duke's pretty solid. Louisville is supposed to be pretty good. Pittsburgh has been solid. Wake has been solid. Like, they, they didn't get – they didn't get Boston College this year. They they didn't get Virginia Tech. Or Virginia. They didn't get Virginia. They didn't get Georgia Tech. They didn't get yeah. a lot of the, the bottom feeders in the ACC. Yeah. They got a lot of the top teams, which combined with three top ten teams on the schedule. I mean, I wouldn't – It's a really, really tough play, schedule. Yeah, I wouldn't play the over eight and a half. If anything, I would play to make the playoffs. If you're high on their name, I think it's 750. I think if they – lose one game they're still going to make the playoffs with the schedule yeah i think you're probably right i mean if i look at this schedule i i, I don't know there is i don't think there's any game that i can give them like, like you, you can't really give them any losses i know you said clemson like that's the most i would say that's i, I agree like that's the most likely loss but like yeah, they can beat ohio state at home they can beat usc at home at duke i mean there are a lot of challenging games in there like i don't know if i don't know like i don't know if they're it, I, I think there are a lot of talk. There are going to be a lot of games where they're they're either favored or dogs by like ten or fewer. I I, I agree. I, I I agree wholeheartedly, which is why I think it's not prudent to play the over because it's similar to why I didn't want to play the Illinois over on here because there's a lot of games that they could lose, but I think there's the talent to win them all. So instead of playing over eight and a half and They've got eight wins, and you're sweating at Stanford at the end of the year. Yeah. Why not? Why not just play it to win? And if they lose to Ohio State and USC early, you know you're dead. Yeah, I like it. Take advantage of the ceiling. All right, there's your Notre Dame like full on preview uh, recommendation on how to be actionable. Um, it was good. It was good. Any any thoughts from you? Uh, no, I well. I mean, look, you got to take some yeah, of it. Um, no, like you got to take some of it with a grain of salt, right? Because you are, you're a Notre Dame fan, so obviously you're gonna have 
like that's going to be slanted into things, but like, yeah, like, like, but I think generally speaking, right. Sam Hartman has been a top 10 quarterback, top 15 quarterback in college football the last two years. Like there's no reason to think it'll be any different. Now that he's at Notre Dame, especially with more protection, like the secondary on paper looks like it's going to be fantastic. Like I see why you're super high on it. Like it should be really good. And I, I think the defensive line, like I, I know you talked about like how good they looked in the spring. Like on paper, they look like they're going to be good too. Like, I mean, the guy, like, yeah, Foskey's gone, but it's really just one guy that's gone. And they, they replaced him with, with Gene Baptiste, I guess, like in, in terms of just personnel, but like, there are a lot of other guys that are going to be better and step up. Like I, I think Notre Dame's going to be good. I, I told you, I think they're a top 15, top 10 team. And, and obviously I, I don't know. I don't know if I would like, I would kind of group them in with like in Oregon and a Utah and like, like Clemson. And like, I think they're, they're in that, five to 15 range and i don't know obviously the ceiling is that they can they can get to the playoff but like especially because of their schedule but i mean like i don't think they're i don't think they're they're good enough to win the national title but like can they get to the playoff is that in the range of outcomes yes do i think they're more than likely headed towards like a nine and three season like yeah i think that's probably what ends up happening i think they're going to knock off one of usc or ohio state I think I think it's going to be USC. Um, I know we, we did, well. I mean, I am a Big Ten guy, but yes, like, and I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna knock off USC. I think they're probably gonna lose at Clemson. I agree with you on that. Um, they might beat Ohio State also. Like that could happen, but I, I do think there's a game in there that they that they drop. And whether it's it's NC State, whether it's Louisville, whether it's Duke, like I think whether it's Pitt, like I think those games are are legitimately questionable and i could see myself like taking the whole taking the dog in that one but i, I also can see myself like take I, like i almost can almost guarantee you i will be taking notre dame against usc no matter what the spread is you know like i pray notre dame is laying points in that one because if they're laying points nobody's gonna want them but i'm gonna want them you know i think they're gonna smoke them caleb williams who going to get up against this secondary in this pass rush like come on but i don't know there, so there are my thoughts. I thought you gave a pretty fair assessment. I think you're right. Like I think the the idea that if you are high on Notre Dame, the play is the ceiling play of them going to the playoff, and it's not messing around with the with the win total. I think that's a really good, sound, strategic advice. Okay, is that fair? I mean, I, I try I try to, to 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 not be a homer. Yeah. I mean, I know I have zero bias whenever I talk, especially when I talk about the other Big Ten schools that are shitty, like Illinois and Maryland and Purdue. You know, like I'm very unbiased discussing them. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the rest of the pod. Um, do you have three group of five win total plays? All right. Um, yeah. So for my first win total, I'm going to go to the American. I am going to go to FAU over seven and a half. With Tom Herman coming in, they return eight on offense, ten on defense. Tom Herman's a coach I like, right? He was really good at Houston, and then he was pretty solid at Texas, one of the better Texas coaches, and he was fired, I think, because they wanted to bring in Sark so badly. I, I don't know if that was really um, – I, I, I don't know if that was really needed, deserved, I'd say. That, he, that he'd be fired. You bring in Casey Thompson, a guy he recruited to Texas back in the day. So familiar, familiarity at the quarterback position. And this team went five and seven last year. Like they, they were a pretty solid team last year. They have talent. If you remember, Lane Kiffin was bringing in a lot of talent here. And with all of these returning starters, you look at the schedule, open with mom and get Ohio at home. Couple, couple, tough games at Clemson and at, at Illinois, but I wouldn't be surprised if they hung in those games, possibly even win. And then you've got Tulsa at home, UTSA at home, ECU at home, at Charlotte, at USF, at UAB. There's a lot of really winnable games. And I, I think, I, I just think Tom Herman is going to overperform. And this team just has a, a lot of talent. And Casey Thompson is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the American, in my opinion. Yeah. So, and- yeah, I agree. I think that that's a that's a good look. Um, 
I don't know. I've got I've got other loves in the American, so I can't I can't go there with you. Um, but like I don't know. You get Ohio at home. You get UTSA at home. You get Tulane at home. Like those are big games to get at home. Like makes them a lot yeah, more winnable. Casey Thompson really fell off too. Like I mean, without just because he played on a bad Nebraska team, but like Casey Thompson was one of the highest touted guys heading into the portal last year. You know, and he wasn't even that bad for Nebraska. Like he had, he was great for Texas in the bowl game. Like I, I, I don't know. I think there's, I think Casey Thompson can play, and I think um, Tom Herman's going to unlock him. So I, I, I like the look. Um, I'm going to stay in the American. I'm going to take UTSA over seven and a half. Um, I think if you told me that you returned 15 starters, including your like two-time All-Conference quarterback from a team that's won double-digit games the last two years and the win total was seven and a half, you would be like, that's absolutely crazy. Um, and so I tried to figure out, like, what the reasons were for it, tried to, like, knock it down, right? Number one, obviously, is they're in, a, they're in a better conference. They're in the American, not the Conference USA, but I looked at it. Like, they avoid SMU. They avoid Memphis. They're basically – and Cincinnati and UCF, who are the other two top teams in the American, and Houston – like these teams are all gone to the Big Twelve, so like UTSA, even though they jumped to a better conference, they're still basically playing the same schedule that they were playing the last couple of years in the Conference USA. Um, you know, North Texas, UAB, Florida Atlantic, the team you just mentioned, Rice, Charlotte, like these are the teams that they're still playing um, that they were playing last year in Houston. Now they're playing in the American. Um, I guess the non-conference schedule is pretty hard for UTSA. They play at Houston. They play at Tennessee. Like, Army's no cakewalk, but I don't know. UTSA is a better team than Houston, in my opinion. They've got a better roster. Um, Tennessee is, like, legit vulnerable. We've talked about Tennessee already this year. So, I don't know. Texas State, I think they should beat. Army is – I mean, Army's Army, but, like, I still think UTSA is better than them. But, I mean, even if they go 2-2 two and two in non-con, which feels like the absolute um, floor for them – I, I think they can grab six wins in the American and then they get to eight wins. And I, I don't know. I think they'll be favored in pretty much every American athletic conference game they play, except for, except for maybe at Tulane, maybe at Florida Atlantic, like maybe, I don't know. It's a really good UTSA team. Like the coach is still there. Frank Harris is back. Like he's a top 20 quarterback in the country. They've got three of their top four receivers back. Starting running back is back. Defense returns a bunch of starters. There's a lot. There's a lot to like about this UTSA team, and I think they the win total is low just because they're switching conferences, but the American is basically just what the CUSA was last year, so I think UTSA is going to have another big year. So I'm on there over seven and a half. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't disagree. Trailers really had a UTSA rolling. I, I, they're, they're a really good team. It seems like a, seems like a, a semi-low yeah. And I tried, I, I thought that was like stinky, right? Like, like, like well, I would say, lost, like, they lost some guys like Zakari. Um, yeah, they lost their leading receiver for Ole Miss, their top receiver. But they still returned like their other three guys. They brought in a, a talented Juco transfer. Like, I, I don't know. I think they'll keep it rolling. They still return a bunch, too. Yeah. All right. What's your next play? All right. I got a, uh, I got a stinky one. Nice. Love stink. I am going to play App State at six and a half. I'm going to play the under. Okay. Team went six and six last year. Year five of Sean Clark. I think I've mentioned this before yeah. on the podcast. I think that Sean Clark is not really that great of a coach. And I think last year really highlighted that, right? They've been so good. 11 and two, 13 and one, nine and three, 10 and four. And then the wheels started to fall off, go six and six last year. And here's the big thing. Chase Bryce, who really overperformed my expectations when he started there, is now gone. You could have a new quarterback, right? You've got Ryan Berger, I think, is the projected start. I'm not sure about that. Bring back a lot on offense, but you lose the two first-team offensive tackles. On a, on a rush-heavy team, you lose your offensive uh, coordinator to Mississippi State. The defense is losing a ton. And I, I think at six and a half, it's almost begging you to bet the over. So kind of look to the under here. You open with Gardner-Webb. That should be a win. At North Carolina, 
that's a tough game. You lost last year on a heartbreak, right? I struggle to see them win that again. ECU at home is not easy. Then you go to at Wyoming and then at ULM, who's not a great team, but that's a back-to-back away with ULM off the bye. I would not be surprised to see this team start one and four and the wheels are falling off in Boone. Then you get Coastal Carolina at home. Coastal Carolina night. But uh, but they still have Grayson McCall. That's not an easy team. At Old, Old Dominion off of by the schedule is just brutal. And then you're gonna get Southern Miss at home. Like that should be a win. But Southern Miss is Southern Miss beat Tulane last year. That's not an yeah. easy team. Marshall at home. Marshall's pretty good. At Georgia State has been they've been rising a little bit. At JNU, I think that's a loss. And Georgia Southern at home. It, it it's hard to see this team get to seven wins. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. I I mean, I, I don't really know. Like I can't I can't pretend like to to know how good App State's gonna be in in relation to like Marshall and Southern Miss and, and Georgia Southern, but I, I think the win total is saying it all. Like they're like the App State um era, if you will, feels like it might be ending. The Sun Belt has gotten better as a league. App State is no longer like considered the team to beat in that in that league and i think you're right like is this a seven win team like i mean at north carolina and at wyoming just in the non-con like plain and simple look like losses to me you know like james madison's a really good team old dominion's a really good team like you got to go on the road and play those those games i mean it's it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough Um, so i'm with you i i think that's that's a it's definitely stinky app state you know flying under six and a half flying under seven for the for a second consecutive season when they've been so good but like stinky stinky plays usually usually look good there's usually something something there you know um all right my next play i'm going to the mountain west going to the mountain west and i think i'm taking a popular one um i've heard a lot of people on this one like more than any other group of five pick that i've really ever heard of but like whatever that might that they tried to scare me off of that with the public information but it is what it is uh i'm taking colorado state over four and a half wins um like when i look at this i look at jay norvell he went three and nine in his first year at nevada in 2017 and then went bowling every year after that last year he went three and nine in his first year at colorado state and now like what's he gonna do year two i think they're gonna be good the offense was terrible last year, but Norvell brought in a bunch of guys in the portal to try to help fix it. Running back Kobe Johnson averaged almost eight yards per carry at North Dakota State. He's coming over. Dylan Goffney was a big play threat at SMU. He's coming over. Um, they brought in multiple, multiple multi-year FCS starters on the offensive line to try to fix the depth. And their quarterback, Clay Millen, like, I think on the surface, he didn't have a very good season, right? Because he he was under duress all the time, didn't have the best, um, didn't have the best offense around him, but he completed over 70% of the, of his passes. He only yeah, I mean, what? It's hard, hard to say you had a bad season when you completed 70% of your well, passes. But when you don't throw for over 2,000 yards, right? And you only throw 10 touchdowns, then like he didn't have a great season either. Like I think he was pretty, pretty much a game manager and he, he was throwing a lot of short passes, if you will. Um, still only turned the ball over six times, right? And he got better as the season went on. Like, and he was only a freshman. So like, these are all good things. I think Clay Millen's going to be better next year. Um, this is the real, or this year, I should say. And he's brought over from Nevada too, right? He was the transfer he started. that Norvell took. Yes, he started over. Um, he started his career at Nevada. Only like played like one game, I think, at Nevada, but he he followed Norvell from Nevada to Colorado State, which shows that Norvell really believes in him. Um, yeah. The reason I really like this play is the defense. I think the defense could be fantastic. Um, in Mountain West play, they allowed 28 or fewer points in every game except for the trip to Boise, and they allowed 17 or fewer points in in five of their Mountain West games. Their best players are back. Safety Jack Howell had 108 tackles and three picks last year. Their edge rusher, Mo Kamara, 16 tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks. And the rest of the secondary, corners Aiden Hector, Chigozi Anusium, and safety Henry Blackburn, they're all preseason all-conference guys. So that's five guys that are preseason all-conference guys on that defense. And then you look at the schedule. Like, I 
They open with two Pac-12 games, home against Washington State at Colorado. I think they're live dogs in both of those games. Um, I think then at Middle Tennessee and Utah Tech, those are the other two non-con games. Like Utah Tech's going to be a win. At Middle Tennessee will probably be tricky, um, but like that's also winnable. And my hope is, right, if Colorado State can just go two and two in the non-con, which I think is doable. Um, if they go two and two in the non-con, yeah, then they just have to win three games in the Mountain West, which is what Norvell did last year to get to the over um, four and a half wins. I think this team goes bowling. I, I, I think they beat Washington State the first night of the year. I, I, you know, it was a little bit of a spoiler. We'll talk about that in a little bit. You know, we'll talk about that next week, but I think that's that's definitely doable. So Colorado State over four and a half is my next play. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't disagree. This isn't my play, but I like the over as well. I mean, everything you said, Norvell, you're two, good quarterback. It, it seems like they've got some real building pieces on defense. They started absolutely terribly last year, but they were completely rebuilding last year. They brought in a ton of guys. It was a complete mess. Now now you can kind of get that system into play. And the other thing you mentioned, or you didn't mention that I think is important is Fort Collins. They've got a um yeah they've got a pretty sizable home field advantage. Yeah, good point. Elevation. I know in the Mountain West that's not as big of a deal as it is in other conferences just because so many teams play at elevation. But they have one of the largest stadiums in the Mountain West, and when they're good, it's rowdy and packed. And I expect it to be mobbed for that Washington State game to open up. I think there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of fans out there for this team. I think that's going to help them get over the hump in some of these uh, some of these games. Yeah, good point. I will stay in the Mountain West for my last one, and I'm going okay. to go to another team that I like the over on. I'm going to go to San Jose State. Nice. Siobhan Cordero. <laughs> Take the over five and a half. Uh, okay. Siobhan Cordero, you mentioned it. Really good QB. A lot of people see him as the best quarterback in the Mountain West. It's year seven for Brent Brennan. So they turned this program around, won the Mountain West title in the COVID year, which is a little bit um, – it's hard to take away too much from that, but this team went seven and five last year, lost a close one at Auburn, lost by seven at Fresno, and then lost at San Diego State. I mean, like they, they got the wins they needed to get at home. They have an offense that bring back pretty much everybody offensively. And when you look at the schedule, yes, it's tough, but Five and a half when you're looking for bowl eligibility at USC, that's going to be a loss. Oregon State at home, that's a sneaky game. It's a sneaky game on a Sunday. I think they're probably going to lose that game, but that's uh, they they could get that. And then you get Cal Poly, so I think you're looking at one and two. If you can split that Toledo Air Force, which Air Force is going to have some trouble, right? There are no more top blocks this year for um, for any of the triple option teams, so they're going to be transitioning a little bit. Then you've got at Boise State, that's probably a loss. And at New Mexico, New Mexico's not going to be that great. So if you're looking at three right there, Utah State at home, I think you can get that, that to get four. At Hawaii is tough, but how good is Hawaii really going to be? That gets you to five if you win that game. And then you've got Fresno State, San Diego State, and UNLV to close it out to get one more. I think they can definitely do that with two of those at home. Uh, so I'm on the over here. Yeah. I, I like it. I think they're going to be better this year than they were last year too. Um, I've, I've always been a Siobhan Cordero fan, you know, back to my Hawaii roots with him. Um, their non-con is just really hard. Like that's just a really hard non-con for a Mountain West team. Like it's hard to see them doing better. Any really, I mean, Any if they go, than one and- yeah, one and three, like if they go two and two, like that's a huge, that, that is stealing because they're going to, they're probably going to be double digit dogs in all of those games. Right, they're like thirty. Maybe points. not Toledo. Yeah, maybe not. But Toledo's the preseason Toledo's good. But they, I mean, they're the reigning MAC champions. But O'Rourke was out in the MAC. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, Toledo's the preseason MAC favorite, and you got to go on the road to play him. Like that's yes, no, no, it's true. Yeah. But I mean, Jason Candle also is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, he's he's the favorite every year, but he doesn't yeah. win the MAC every year. You know. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um. 
Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think plus if they get the five wins, there's the extra incentive to get to a bowl game. Yeah, exactly. Playing yeah. over five and a half, so I think it's always a pretty solid uh, play. Yeah, Oregon State better watch out. That might be a tricky game for them on Sunday, September third. Um, just, I mean, that's that's that's, that's tricky. A standalone game right after Rutgers Northwestern at noon. I know, unbelievable. What? Who decided what, on what, this? What a lineup for, for your Sunday on uh, Labor Day. People are gonna be. They are gonna be tuned in like what the hell is this shit until lsu florida state comes on um i don't know i don't think think people will be tuned in yeah they won't be they're trying people are trying like that's why cbs is trying to get them to tune in but nobody nobody's the real degenerates out there yeah and they exist they exist um you're listening to this podcast you know it's you we're talking to you (laughs) (laughs) you the listener um all right my last play my last play is going to be a stinky one I'm taking a team in its first year in the FBS, Jacksonville State. Um, Jacksonville State has had a great run in the FCS, eight conference championships since 2011, multiple wins over FBS teams. I went back in the archives, looked at um, good FCS teams, almost great FCS teams transitioning to the FBS, and they've all had a ton of success in their first year in the FBS, App State. They won seven games their first year in the FBS. Georgia Southern, they won nine in their first game in the FBS. Old Dominion, they won six. Liberty, they won six. JMU, last year, James Madison, won eight in their first game in the FBS, first season in the FBS. So there's a history of these teams that play at the highest level of FCS transitioning very well to the lowest level of FBS because I don't think the talent gap between the top of the FCS and the bottom of the FBS is that big. Um, Jacksonville State, led by Rich Rodriguez, a veteran coach, a really, really good offensive mind. Um, he's coached at West Virginia, Michigan, Arizona. 16 FBS seasons. He's won fewer than five games just three times in his career. And Jacksonville State joins the Conference USA. The new Conference USA is terrible. It is probably the worst conference in college football. After Western Kentucky and Liberty, there's really nothing there. Right? You got Florida International. You got, I mean, you just you just have the real, real bottom rungs of um of college football because you know the the top of the American went to the Big Twelve and then the top of the Conference USA went to the American. It's just the that's how the food chain works. Um, but Jacksonville State returns a ton of starters, probably the most starters of any team in the Conference USA. Quarterback Zion Webb's back, running back Anwar Lewis is back. They combined for fifteen hundred yards and twenty one touchdowns last year. The defense wasn't bad last season. I know it was the CS, but they allowed 21 or fewer points in seven games. Um, and how much better is like the, the Conference USA right now than, than the top level of the FCS where Jacksonville State was playing? And then, you know, you look at the schedule and at South Carolina is probably the toughest game. But other than that, like, I don't know if Jacksonville State is going to be 10-point dogs or more in any other game. Um, like maybe at Coastal Carolina, but I'm, I'm not I'm not so sure. I think Jacksonville State can grind out five wins. I think they can even get six wins. And to be honest, under Rich Rodriguez, like I, if if the NCAA rules didn't prohibit Jacksonville State from winning a conference championship, then I would deeply consider a future on Jacksonville State. So that's my final play, uh, taking Jacksonville State over four and a half wins. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree. I think they've got a good quarterback. I like Rich Rod. I think he's performed at this level before. Uh, I, I do question a little bit the moving up for them because just because they weren't an actual FCS champion like some of these other teams that have come up, but they were very good in the FCS and they've beaten FBS teams before Florida state. Yeah. So FIU, they've beaten Florida international. Who's going to be their new rival in conference USA. Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't, I I definitely do not hate it, uh, but more in a wait and see mode for that. Um, do you have any other group of five plays, any conference champion type plays, anything else? Or are you, you cooked on the G5? I don't I'm kind of thinking about a sprinkle on Miami, Ohio to win the, uh, the Mac. Okay. They, they return a lot. Chuck Martin's done it before. Chuck Martin was also at Notre Dame. So possibly that's, uh, leading into it a little bit, but that, that's pretty much all I got. What about you? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I, I, I'd i like to think Wyoming has a shot to win the Mountain West. No. But they don't. I agree. Um, 
So I won't be, I won't be there. The problem is I found myself attracted to the teams that I'm attracted to week one. I was attracted. These are the same teams that I was attracted to yeah, when, Colorado when finding State, yeah. Wyoming, Jacksonville state. Jacksonville I've got a, state, I've got a bet on Saturday zero. night. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll not, not to give away any spoilers for our next pod. Um, all right. That'll do it for us on, on the hook and ladder pod, our final real preseason um, preview. We, we had a nice in-depth discussion on Notre Dame. We gave our group of five picks. Next time we will be breaking down games. Um, we'll have week zero picks in addition to our futures card, any Heisman picks that we want to talk through. Um, that's our, our last, our next pod. That's our last preseason pod slash the start of the regular season. So it's here. It's right around the corner. Like it's happening. A couple of days away now. I know. A couple of days away. All right. That'll do it. That's the Hook and Ladder pod. Colin, peace out. See ya.